Lord, I pray as we enter your word right now for those who are in that place where they need to see a miracle. And as we sang to you, you reign over our circumstances. You reign over sickness. You reign over debt. You reign over brokenness and failed relationships. You reign over the United States of America. You reign over the world. And what a privilege and an honor it is to know you personally. Thank you, God. Thank you for Kawanda's testimony of how not only are you healing her body, but I thank you that once again you have shown that you look out for the widows. And you make sure that they have what they need. Would you continue to provide for her, her daily need? Thank you, God. And now bless us with this word. Make it practical. Make it understandable. Make it real in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. Wow. There is a balm in Gilead for the sin-sick soul. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. I'll begin reading in verse 1 of Acts chapter 12. Reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Stop and pause. This is the grandson of Herod the Great, the one who killed all of the children to try and kill Jesus, but failed in that attempt. This particular Herod, Herod Antipas, is the, not only the grandson of Herod the Great, but he's also the nephew of Herod Agrippa the one who killed John the Baptist, murder and blood runs in this family. And when it says he stretched out his hand, this is in direct opposition to Acts 4, when the disciples prayed that God would stretch forth his hand and touch the church. And so since God was moving, Satan was moving even through Herod. So this is spiritual warfare going on. Herod the king stretches out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, that's 16 soldiers, to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. Bound with two chains. How did the rapper two chains get in this? Bound with two chains. 
between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Translation, you are out of your mind. <laughs> Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel or it's his ghost. Verse 16, now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now you just read what I just read. And you may have the same question that I have. And that is, how in the world could Peter be sleeping so soundly before the day of his execution. I mean, how could he sleep knowing that he was scheduled to be executed in the morning? How did he sleep? Because some of us can't sleep when we know we got a doctor's appointment in the morning. Some of us can't sleep when we know we got an exam. Some of us can't sleep when we're about to get married the next day. Some of us can't sleep when we know we have a court date the next day. But this man was scheduled to be executed by an evil king who had already executed one of the apostles. James, one of the sons of thunder, had already died. And so Peter, on the night before his execution, he slept so soundly that when the angel came into the jail cell, the Bible says a light shone. Now some of us, we can sleep so lightly that if somebody turns on the light, it wakes us up. But this is not light from GE. This is light from heaven. And when the heavenly light came in that place through the angel, Pete was so deep in sleep, he didn't even move. 
So the angel had to shake the brother to get him up. How could he sleep in such heavenly peace? Well, Peter slept that night because he had a few things. The first thing he had was peace. Peace is a fruit of the spirit. Hey, Dorena, can you have my water? Brother, a little parched up here. Thank you. Wonderful help meet you up. Peter had peace. And peace is a fruit of the spirit, meaning that it is not a work of the flesh. Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, but not like the world gives peace. You don't have to get high to get my peace. You just got to dwell in the shadow of the most high to get this peace. And this is the kind of peace that will surpass your understanding. Because when you think you should be panicking, you're not. Because the Holy Ghost is working in you and through you in such a way that you have this calmness about you. And this inner calm comes ultimately from the confidence of having a saving relationship with God. So because you know God, you know peace. If you don't know God, you have no true peace. You see, peace with God produces the peace of God. Because if God can take care of my sins, he can surely take care of my situation. He took care of my sins. I'm saved. And that's why when we put on the armor of God, when we get to the shoes, the shoes are called the gospel shoes of peace. The gospel is the good news that God loves sinners and made a way to save us through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ, who died in our place for our sins and who rose triumphantly on the third day, proving that he's the son of God. When we put our faith in him, we're born again. We're justified. We're declared righteous. And so the gospel shoes of peace keep me rooted and anchored when life comes at me with hurricane force. You know, Michael Jackson died because he couldn't sleep, because he didn't have peace. So he tried to medicate himself, and he medicated himself to death. But there is something Michael taught me about the shoes of peace. Because in the video, Smooth Criminal, Michael breaks out with a move that has never been done. And it comes from an invention that he came up with, whereby he and his dancers, they lean forward without falling and it looks real but what people don't know is that there is a contraption in the heel of the shoe that embeds in the stage it's like an anchor so when they lean forward the shoe is bolted into the ground and then they're able to come back up again and keep on dancing and doing what they're supposed to do well the gospel shoes of peace keeps me anchored in the Lord and in the finished work of Jesus. And I might lean sometime, but I won't fall. Because I got on those shoes of peace. The gospel, oh, the power of God unto salvation. Peter is asleep because he has peace in what Jesus has done for him. And he knows Jesus can keep on doing whatever needs to be done in his life. Because when you have peace, you can sleep even in a storm. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. He's a learner, he's a pupil, he's a student of the master. And he remembers one time out on the Sea of Galilee 
When a storm hit, and fishermen who are used to boats and who are used to storms, these dudes panicked because that was a storm of storms. But Jesus was in the hole of the boat, chilling and sleeping. So the disciples grabbed Jesus and woke him up, and Jesus got up and said, where's your faith? And he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, peace be still, and everything smoothed out. So in other words, Jesus, when he rebuked the guys, he was saying, why panic in a storm? I'm the God of the storm. I'm in control. You're in my boat. You're with me. I got you. Chill out. And what you boys should have done is grabbed a pillow and came and slept next to me. So when it came time for another test, like being in Herod's jail, Peter said, I'm going to apply what I've learned. Because what you know and what you believe are two different things. A lot of us know a lot of word, but do you believe the word? And if you believe the word, you can sleep because God is watching the city. God is up and he neither sleeps nor slumbers. So there's no reason for both of us to be up. I might as well go to sleep. My times are in his hands. Not in the hands of Herod. So brother man had peaceful sleep because the prince of peace said, I got you, Pete. But he not only had peace, Peter had a word. Pastor, what word? Well, in John 21, when Jesus had resurrected and came back to the disciples, he uh, had breakfast with them on the beach. But he had some business he had to settle with Peter because Peter had denied him three times. So he and Peter took a walk together and nosy John was following behind. Because when Jesus tells Peter what he, he prophesied to him, and he said, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted to go and you did whatever you wanted to do. But when you are old, you will stretch forth your hands, someone else will gird you, and you won't want to go there. And he was signifying or testifying to the fact that Peter would die a, a death of martyrdom by crucifixion when he was an old man. And that's when Peter said, now, Lord, okay, uh, I hear that, but what about John? Because he knows he, he's following behind us. And Jesus said, don't worry about John. I can leave him here until I come back. What is that to you? You follow me. So Peter is in jail, and he's holding on to that word that Jesus said, you're not going to die until you're old. And when you die, you're going to die on a cross. Church history says Peter was crucified in Rome upside down with a spike driven through his forehead. Because they were going to crucify him right side up. But you know Peter, he said, turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. And they did that according to Fox's Book of Martyrs. And so he's in jail knowing Herod kills with the sword. Jesus said, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm still young. Jesus said, I'm going to die when I'm old. God gave me a word that's stronger than the circumstances I'm facing. So for Peter to get a word, he had to get alone with the living word, Jesus. And for you and I to get a word, we have to get alone with the living word and his written word. Because once you get a word, it cements you. It stabilizes you. It calms you. It reassures you. It gives you confidence. But if I'm not in the word, if I'm not spending time with the living word, I'm going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every circumstance of the world. But oh, when 
when's the last time we had a good alone time with God? Because he can give you a word that can make you stand. But not only did he have peace and not only did he have a word, Peter had experience. Because this was not the first time Peter went to jail. Uh, do I have any? No, don't raise your hand. I was going to ask how many of y'all been to jail. But don't do that, you know. But such were some of you. We, Lord redeemed us. Peter went to jail in Acts 4. Peter went to jail in Acts 5. And in Acts 5, an angel got him and all of the other apostles out of jail. So this was not his first rodeo. Peter knew God could get him out because God did it before. Why do we panic when we're going through something that we've been through before? And we forget what God has done. He got us through before. He can get us through now. And that's why our faith, when we have faith, it pleases God. Because he wants to know, do you trust me? God can get me out of this one because he got me out of that one. That day that I didn't think I would make it. That day I thought I was going to die. Guess what you hear? So the next time you go through one of them days, remember the last time he got you through one of those days. Because you got to trust him. God gives us tests to make us stronger. And if we're still panicking in our storms and in our tests, that means we haven't grown up yet. Peter showed, I'm growing. And to give you hope, this is the guy who used to cuss. And I won't even look over here at my brother on the front row that struggled with cussing every now and then. I won't look at Scott Ralston, but Peter used to cuss. I know I got a few more up in here that's still in that sanctification cycle. Hit me at the wrong time, you don't know. Peter denied the Lord. But here he is. He's grown. And he's sleeping on the night before his execution. Thank God for grace. Now, Strong Tower, while Peter was sleeping, the church was praying. Huh, that's what the Bible says in verse 5. It says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. We're talking about the power of a praying church. One of their leaders was in jail unjustly. And the church prayed constantly. And what that means is they prayed earnestly. They prayed fervently. And they kept on praying. It's in the present indicative tense. They kept on praying constantly and urgently and fervently. They kept on praying earnestly. Lord, set Peter free. Lord, bring Peter out. Lord, we know that James died and that was your will. Lord, we're asking that Peter wouldn't die. Set him free. Set him free. And the church is praying in a house. Mary's house. They're praying. You see, the church prayed and saw God's power in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. 
The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 2, 42. The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 3, 1. The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 4, 31. The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 6, 6. The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 8, 15. The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 9, 40. The church prayed and saw God's power in Acts 10, 9. And right here in Acts 12, 5, they're praying. And they're about to see God's power again. They've tried him and they know that he is faithful. And when we pray on Tuesdays as a staff, when the elders get the email from April because she takes what's on the blue cards and sends them to each elder during the week. And when the staff comes together, we pray by name over each situation. We believe in prayer because we believe in God. Tuesday, Felicia is driving to work and one of our folks gives her a call. It was an SOS, help. Reached out to Felicia. Felicia prayed over her right there as she was driving to work. I guess she didn't close the eyes when you're in your car driving. Don't close your eyes when you pray. She gets in the staff meeting, tells us about it. We pray some more. God fixed that thing Wednesday night. Tuesday morning, Wednesday night, God fixed that thing. And we were able to testify even here in Bible study. Won't God do it? So that church prayed constantly. And watch out, they prayed all night. <laughs> uh, uh, Acts 12, 12 lets us know that. That when they were praying, they were praying all night long. Now, when I was in the world, when I was lost, Whitney Houston had a song talking about, we'll be making love the whole night through. Some of y'all got quiet. The world will talk about they're going to party all night. But we know ain't nobody making love all night and ain't nobody partying all night. But the church prayed all night. They just didn't pray one time. They kept praying. They kept praying. They kept praying. They did not grow weary in praying. They kept praying. They kept praying. They kept praying. They prayed all night. Oh, we need to have another one of those all-night prayer meetings. I remember we had an all-night prayer meeting once. I fell asleep during the all-night prayer meeting. I, I got to tell you it was tough. We were straining in prayer, travailing in prayer. I got tired, and I passed out. And, uh, and, and we were praying in a circle. And somehow I thought it was my turn to pray. And I woke up and started praying, but I prayed all over top of Aaron Kinney at the time. Aaron Kinney was praying. I couldn't hear him because my hearing wasn't good then. It's good now. And I jumped up and I said, Father, we thank you. Aaron was praying. <laughs> we got to have another one of those, man. But also, while Peter was sleeping, the church prayed constantly. They prayed all night. And they prayed with imperfect faith. I want to have a strong faith. But on my best days, my faith is not perfect. It still is seasoned with a little bit of doubt. And God knows my frame, and he knows that I'm dusty, and he knows apart from his son praying in his name, my prayers are, well, they're dusty. You know, when, when Jesus had appeared after being resurrected, and the Bible says in Matthew 28, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. 
how can you doubt when you see the risen Lord? Well, people are human. And God knows that we're going to have doubts. Like the man who came to Jesus who said, uh, will you help deliver my son from this demon? And Jesus said, do you believe? And the man said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This church was praying. I told you they were praying constantly. I told you they were praying all night. But their faith was imperfect. Pastor, how you know? Because when God answered their prayer and put Peter on the front doorstep, they opened up and said, no, that ain't him. Uh, Go back to praying. Lord, set him free. He's on the front doorstep. Lord, set him free, set him free, Lord. Rhoda, you crazy, girl. Come on, let's get back to praying for Peter. He's outside. I'm t- no, it's his ghost. Keep on praying. And then when they see Peter, the Bible says they're astonished, like, it works. Prayer works. And they're getting loud, and Peter, like, shh, shh, keep it down. Because he has on an orange jumpsuit with Davidson County written over the back. He's a fugitive from justice. Y'all keep that down. How many times have you asked God for something and he delivers it right there on the front doorstep and you don't believe that it's the answer? <laughs> oh, boy, I don't have time to meddle with you. I was going to meddle with you right here. But how many of you have been praying for a church home? And God then put the church home on the front door, this one or another one. And you keep on, well, I'm not sure yet. Well, I'm not sure yet. How many times have God said, you've been asking for a job? Here it is. Well, that ain't what I was looking for. That ain't what I, I know these people called me, but uh, I don't believe I'm going to keep on praying for a job. I'm going to keep praying for a mate. And God then put the person right all up in front of you, but you look right over him because He's not six foot one looking like Morris Chestnut with ripples in his stomach. He's five foot seven, a little lighter with a pot belly, and you're looking past that brother. I dropped him off for you. Put it right here for you. So as a result of the church's prayers, God sent his angel to help Peter. God opened a door for for Peter. And the Bible says this door opened up on its own accord. You see, there will be times, yeah, you got to knock on doors. Sometimes you got to knock some doors down. Other times you got to walk away from the door because the Lord said, I've closed this door. And that's why we got to pray and be in tune. Lord, should I keep on knocking? Or have you said this door is closed, go the other way. But every now and then, he'll do the work for you in such a way where the door will open on its own. Can I tell you, Strong Tower, about a door that is open by itself for us? I want to tell you about an open door. Well, we've been praying and praying for a student ministry director. We've been praying. And in the meantime, our elders have participated We've had wonderful volunteers step up as we're trying to get our philosophy worked out, and we have. Man, man, we're ready for a student director to come now. He or she, we're ready now. And we've been praying, Lord, reveal him or her to us. Bring that person. But when we look at our money, the money looks funny and the change looks strange. (laughs) And it's like, now, on paper, we can't afford that. 
But we kept praying because God is not ruled by paper. He's not ruled by the bottom line. He is the bottom line. We're supposed to have reason, but we're also supposed to have faith. So we look at numbers, but we're not ruled by numbers. We look to the God who rules everything. We're just saying our God reigns. So as God would have it, a businessman that I had invited came to church one Sunday. And sometimes we'll show our numbers on the board. And there's a whole lot of red when you look at our budget. There's a lot of deficit. So that businessman, unbeknownst to me, he saw that. And about a month after that, came up to me and said, I want to help your church. I want to help the church get out of debt. And he said, I want to do it this way, and I want to remain anonymous. I don't want anybody to know who it is. But I want to do a matching gift to help the church get out of debt. So when I spoke to him, I said, now, it's hard to do a matching gift on tithes and offerings. Now, I don't know how we could do that. But I tell you what we can do a matching gift on We've been praying about a student director. Would you mind working with us on that to do a matching gift? He says, absolutely. I will put up $30,000 right here, right now, when Strong Tower puts up another 30, and you will have the money you need to get a student director and the insurance and all of that stuff. So this man, this businessman said, I'll give the church $30,000. Matter of fact, Pastor Chris, what are some of the other needs the church has? Because let's do this matching gift this year and next year. You said you want to paint the parking lot? I got you. No matching gift. You said you want to paint the church building? I got you. No matching gift. You said you want to see this Awana program go? I got you. No matching gift. But let's be faithful over a few things. Let's get this matching gift first to show this man who's a man of God goes to another church. He said, I want to help Strong Tower. That door opened by itself. I said, okay, go. So y'all know what we're going to do. We're going to get that 30,000 and we're going to get it above and beyond tithes and offering. We're going to have a three-day fast weekend. August 18th, 19th, and 20th. This is a series on prayer. Amen? Amen, lights. Amen, Amen walls. No, no, no. We're going to have a three-day fast. And we're going to pray about specific issues, items, needs at our church, but especially for the student minister, whoever he or she is, that God will reveal him or her. And so the service on August 20th is going to be a prayer meeting. And we're also going to take a sacrificial offering for the 30000 that day. So this gives you a little, about a month to pray and ask God, what can I give sacrificially to see God meet this need in the church? I believe we'll not only get to 30, I believe we'll get more than that. The elders and I have so much faith, we're going to post the job description this week for the student director. Because we believe the money is coming. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we believe that. So look for it. Look for it. We're going to get it. We'll tell you more about it. August 20th. We're going to fast that weekend. We're going to take a special offering. Because the last time we did this, I believe we got over, I forget, $167,000 in one offering. So I know we can do it. I know we can do 30. Uh, my wife and I will start off first 
we'll give the first sacrificial offering for that. Amen. But then I got to tell you as I close, not only did God send his angel, not only did God open the door, but he set Peter free. It's important for the church to pray for the leaders because the enemy tries to bind us up all the time. Peter survived because of the prayers of the church. Pray for the leaders of your church and pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Deliver us from the evil one. Oh, we covet your prayers. Every ministry leader, Jewel, our worship leader, uh, pray for us. Felicia, pray for us that God may protect us and set us free. We just learned about the power of a praying church. Mm -hmm. And somebody might say, Pastor, that sounds good. I, I get the little open door thing. About the 30,000. But does God still do stuff like this today? Well, I'm here to let you know, yes, he does. Because Friday, as I'm studying this passage about how the Lord set Peter free out of prison, I got a phone call. And the phone call was from one of our members. He and I had been talking a little bit more than normal lately. And he had informed me about a month ago that he had a DUI two years ago. He has repented. He has, you know, forgiven himself. He's moved on with his life. He paid all of his fines. But then the court system said, you still got to serve 25 days. I know it was two years ago. I know you paid all your fines, but you still got to serve. So he had to go to his new job and say, I'm going to need about 30 days. Can, can I get 30 days on a new job? told him what was going on, humbled himself, and the job says, yes. Well, oh, don't hold your clap, hold your clap now, hold your clap. He checked himself in, turned himself in last Friday. He called me this Friday, this past Friday, and he told me that he was in jail. They had moved him four times to four different facilities, and he told me, he said, Pastor, on Thursday night, one of the correctional officers came into the area where I was and he said to me, do you want to go home? And since the brother didn't know exactly what the man said, the dude walked out the door. Well, the inmate at the time couldn't just go through the door. He had to wait to see that man again. And he said, okay, I see you again. What did you say to me? He said, do you want to go home? He says, I absolutely want to go home. So on Thursday night, because he and I had prayed before he went in, that God would do something miraculous on his behalf. So on Thursday night, he got out of jail, walked over to Kentucky Fried Chicken, had a meal. Got picked up by his brother, went to his house. His father was sleeping in the bed. He goes into his father's bedroom and says, Daddy, it's me. Father looked up at him and thought he was dreaming. And then he said, this is my son. How did you get out so early? You supposed to do 25 days. You only did six days. Because my God is a God who answers prayer. And guess what? He's a member of this church. 
and he better be here this morning. He, I said, should I share your name? He said, Pastor, I don't care, you know, but I ain't going to put his name out there. Some of y'all probably already know. Oh, would you stand for prayer right now? Come on, Randall, come close us in prayer. Oh, my. Woo. He will do it. There's preachers who, when they preach and they say, oh, I wish I had a praying church. I know we got a praying church. I don't have to wish I had one. I know we got one. Come on, Randall. 